A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode, and we'll look back at Joss Whedon's iconic shows. I'm MC, and I'm here with... Hey, it's Andy. This is David. And I'm Jan. And much love to our co-host, Logan, who's having some dental emergencies and wasn't able to join us today. My Logan! Today we'll be reviewing Killed by Death, which is episode 18 of season 2. It was written by Rob Deshotel and Dean Batali, directed by Darren Serafian, and originally aired March 3rd, 1998. So, uh, Killed by Death. This is... Yeah. That's yeah. usually how most people get killed. <laughs> Just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it me, or... Does everyone feel that they kind of said to Robin Dean, can you write like the most generic episode of Buffy you possibly can? Yeah, and, and make it, try to make it like a horror movie, but then we'll direct it like, I don't know, a generic episode of Buffy. <laughs> yeah, it, it is pretty generic. I, I didn't hate it. Yeah, it's just incredible. I found I found it incredibly pedestrian. Yeah, I mean, I think I, there's a couple of nice things, but yeah. Uh, looking up the episodes that these writers have written, and we've complained about them before, this is, I'd say, a middling offering from them, because they did The Dark Age, was a, which was a good episode, and they did Never Kill a Boy on a first, the First Date, which was a good episode. But then they also mm-hmm. did Phases in the Puppet Show. This kind of, like, falls in the middle for I me. thought we liked The Puppet Show. We did, but... I remember know. us kind of liking The Puppet Show. I like yeah. The Puppet Show, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, I like it better yeah. than this one. Again, I don't hate this one. I don't, I don't hate it. It was just like there. Well, <laughs> here is also an interesting fact about this episode, which might explain some of our reactions to it. This was written as a season one episode. Oh yeah, uh, that would totally that explains a like lot. A season one episode, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. I actually have that in my notes. This feels like a season one episode. Yeah, this was written as a season one episode, but they rewrote it to fit into this. Basically, the biggest difference is that Angel was the one who was carrying Buffy into the the hospital, and he was looking after her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Instead of going to kill vampires, you know, like, you know, he should have done. Because uh, that's how the episode actually starts out. Buffy's trying to patrol, and we see the gang out for patrol for the first time. Like, we've seen Xander, like, come out with Buffy, like, I think once. But this is the first time they are actively patrolling to fill in for Buffy because she is weakened by this flu. Well, it's, it's impl- yeah. it was implied at the beginning of the season that they were patrolling while Buffy was away. Yeah, but we didn't right. get to see that. Right. 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 Yeah. And also, they didn't see any vampires. They were just patrolling. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, right. there was no activity. Right. So, but I mean, it'll start to become a regular thing after this episode. I think once season three happens, they're kind of coming out all the time. So, right. yeah, I mean, uh, th- I mean there's definitely 
the plot is definitely season one. There's some really good gang interactions, Scooby interactions. And of course, yeah. the angel the- dynamic is... You know, mm-hmm. I, I actually think the season two elements work in this episode better than the plot of a season one episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say there's some good character moments. And, you know, as I gushed last night, there's Willie Garson and you put Willie Garson in anything and that makes me happy. So, Oh, he's but. so butch in this episode, which is so <laughs> I weird. Know. I just, yeah, I'm just a big fan of his work in general. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it does have some really good in- interactions and like with uh, the gang out patrolling and Cordelia being genuinely worried about Buffy. I mean, in her Cordelia way, but she's... Yes. Yeah. It, it is kind of like gelling the dynamic that... I mean, the dynamic for the Scoobs doesn't change too much in season three. But there is definitely a shift. And I feel like this is kind of the first time we really see that the Scoobs are a family outside of the whole vampire slaying thing. I would 100% yeah. agree with that. Yeah, and I, right. I noted that quite a few times. It's like everyone's sort of doing their part and they're doing it well. But yeah, they're they're each doing something that is like useful and helpful, but they're also really worried about Buffy and they're worried about the angel stuff. So yeah, it, it, it works in that way. Yeah, I might have been a little softer on this episode just because I didn't entirely hate Xander in this. I actually right, liked no, him quite a no, bit. No, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This one and the next one, I don't entirely hate Xander. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Basic human decency. <laughs> Good on you, Xander. You're almost likable. Yay. <laughs> and also, this is an interesting episode. This is something that will come up in future episodes. But this is, while there is a villain that Buffy can face, it's. A lot of it is about, you know, stuff that scares Buffy. Like, we see Buffy scared in this. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. illness is something that, as Giles said, that she can't fight against. And we see Buffy weak for the first time here. So it's disconcerting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, you know, uh, of course, she, of course, we also get to see that, you know, part of what she goes through here is just a resurgence of her her childhood trauma mm-hmm. in seeing her cousin die, which we, of course, eventually realize is Der Kindestod. So Joyce said that she's going to call Buffy's dad when Buffy goes into the hospital. Now, mm-hmm. did Hank come to see Buffy? No. No. Of course not. I mean, you know, the, the TV producer end of it says, yeah, they couldn't afford to pay him just to show up and have a cameo and walk off again, but he still doesn't show up, so... Yeah. There's not even a mention of it that he even calls to say, you know, Joyce never says, well, your dad says he can't come because there's just no ever mention. of There could have been a big bouquet of flowers from her dad. Mm -hmm. Right. There could have been something that, you know, indicates that he actually is aware and concerned that she nearly, you know, died and is in the hospital. But no. Yeah. He probably called her like three days later and was like, yeah, your mom said you were sick. Is everything okay? (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, Um, we wouldn't want to ruin the whole you know, Hank is a jerk thing. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, he never appears again, like, actually on the... Sh- in reality, nope. he only appears yeah. in, like... No, mm-hmm. he only appears in... Flashbacks. Buffy hallucinations. And hallucinations, or, yeah. 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 And this is, I'd say, the first episode that has some, like... I, I don't want to call it flirtation, but I almost want to call it, like, teasing about Giles and Joyce. Like, yes. when I'm watching this, I'm like, yeah. 
it's very soon after Jenny has died, but I can see, like, I almost wonder if they, if the writers had considered maybe hooking them up properly, like, in the next season, but then they just decided to go with, like, band candy. Yeah, because as soon as I watched that, and obviously I have a, a personal stake in band candy because I wrote about it for uh, Outside In Takes uh, Sab, but um, I, that pinged me immediately. I was like, hmm, okay, I can, like, totally ship Giles and Joyce now and, and feel good about it, so... <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely felt like they were setting something up and then just didn't go anywhere with it. Yeah, I think they were a little bit, but I think ultimately that would have been an unnecessary complication. Like, you know, there would have been the dynamic of, oh, my God, my mom's dating my watcher. And and maybe you would have had to bring Joyce in more than they wanted, maybe. More than they wanted to. And... Like what that would do to the dynamic of Giles and Buffy mm-hmm. and how that yeah. is so central and meaningful to the entire like overarching plot of the show. But I mean, it would have, they would have been cute. They're both gorgeous people. So like, you know, cool. And they do have chemistry, mm-hmm. you know, in an odd little they way. Do. I mean, granted, I think Tony Head would have chemistry with a rock. But... I know, right? <laughs> But still, no, they they it definitely pinged something on my radar in a good way. So, but I also wondered if it was like maybe because of Kristen Sutherland's schedule, because I know she was like going back and forth. Was it between California and France? Um, I know she had like a weird thing where she wasn't always in the country. And I know at I, least her availability for season four, like she does, she appears in like the first episode and then not again until near the end. And that's specifically because Christine Sutherland was out of the country, so. Yeah, yeah so I was just wondering if they, that was the other reason they might have not gone with that as a, a relationship, even as a potential. Possibly, because, yeah. You know, her availability was such that by the next, by season five, she was gone, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, by season five, I, if I remember correctly, Joss actually begs her to stay into the country longer so he could have her around more. And he's like, I'm going to be killing you off. I need to have you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, anyway. Christine doesn't do tons of. I mean, she does little roles here and there, but I, I you know, you don't see her tons. Mm-hmm. Well, she was on like an aspirin commercial, like I don't know, <laughs> five or six, ten years ago. I think I, I remember really, that, Joyce. I don't remember it's like that. aspirin or Tylenol or something, and I'd be like, "What up, Joyce? <laughs> what you doing?" She was also married to. Um, the guy that played Ira on Mad About You. I think she still is, actually. Yeah, oh, John so. Pankow. Yeah. Oh, she's married to John Pankow. I didn't know that. Yeah, she's married to John yeah. Pankow. Oh. Uh, I, I got to tell so John they... Pankow he was horrible in episodes. <laughs> he, he he thanked me for that because that's what they were going for. <laughs> oh, you meant the character was the character, yes. horrible. Not his acting. No, 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 no. no. I, I told yeah. him, I hate you in episodes. He's like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say he was wonderful. He was just a no, no. His character awful. is just yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah, I still have to catch up on like the last season or two of that. But um, so yeah, I he have was just awful. I have a question. What was Cordy talking about with Buffy's face? Oh, who knows? She was just being Cordy. <laughs> the hell knows? But, yeah, I was like, I don't know uh, what it is, but you have to admire her her concentration. All these people yes. going on about like vampires and death and everything, and Cordy's like just focused on that thing on her face. <laughs> is it her turned up nose? Is it her? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I. I mean, Sarah has an adorable little cute. Yeah, turned yeah. up. 
I mean, yeah. which is why the girl that they get to play young Buffy, I'm like, you don't. Oh, she doesn't look it, anything like her. Not, no, not a thing. I didn't even realize so. initially that it was supposed to be young Buffy because I don't think they ever called her that. At least like when she was wandering around later on, mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, that's supposed to be Buffy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean the yeah, casting like, of the kid was not. Yeah. Was terrible. You know, and she was very um, dark haired, and you know. Well, we know that Buffy has dark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's ish, pretty but... obviously that she. That is not a color you find in natural blonde hair, and I think the audience all knows that, and that's fine. Yeah, it just was so. a little... Usually, like, people who do that, I mean, a lot of times they start out as, like, fair as kids and then go darker later on, then that's why they dye it back. I don't know. It just seemed odd. I actually do give props to them for having a dark-haired Buffy, for basically saying it's like, yeah, she dyes her hair, which later they change yeah. when they recast Buffy later on, I think, when they do the flashback when Don is like a baby and they have a much fairer looking hmm. Buffy, which I mean, granted can happen, but yeah. Yeah. It's very, yeah, we, and we also know that Sarah has dark hair. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's been dying it since Buffy, but she's got, I mean, look at her hair in season one, go back and look at pictures of season one. It's a much honeyer, darker, you know, mm-hmm. very light, light brown beginning to be blonde if so i remember correctly when the three girls came onto the show they were all brunette and joss said okay one of you's got to be blonde and one of you's got to be redhead and he basically kind of assigned the hair colors to the girls well you know i and i think the blonde works for buffy just in the trope that you know, Buffy. My name is like Buffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. and I'm, oh, like, yeah. I'm cheerleader. And the, you know that that stereotypical California blonde. I actually think that works really well for Buffy's character. Also, I do not think Charisma could do blonde hair because she does it. She does a light blonde in Angel, and it looks terrible it with her skin tone. Yeah. Just saying. No, I, I hated. Good. Every time Charisma messed with her hair on Angel, I was oh, yeah. terrible. <laughs> And Allison oh, looks awful. adorable as a redhead, and I think, you know, she kept it for a long time after that. And it just, yeah. it fits kind of like Willow's, like, sassy little, I mean, as much as she's supposed to be mousy, she's not. You know, mm. there's, like, that little spark in her, and, you know, the whole redhead thing, so it works for her. But anyway, yeah, the kid, the kid they got to play baby Buffy did not look like Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> did not look like Sarah at all. Yeah, but before we got to that, we had Buffy having weird hallucinations or dreams that were real but time seems to be moving in weirdly and she's walking around the hospital and i don't know i mean like the one thing that bothered me as you know somebody who had a parent like staying in the hospital who was very insistent about trying to get out of bed but not very good about you know standing up once you know she got out of bed Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like Buffy would actually be watched, considering how insistent she was yes. at leaving and the fact that she fell down. She would have been labeled a fall risk and, you know. Mm. Yes. And they would have put, the, even like when you're not, I mean, when I was in uh, for uh, minor, not minor, it was actually major surgery at the time, but they put up the guardrails, you know, you're hooked up to like the saline drip and this and that. I mean, it just was like really weird to me that like there was no nurses, there was nobody watching her or anybody on the floor at all. It was just like suddenly ghost town. And 
The other thing that I, I made a note, just like in her hallucination, it, it felt like it was supposed to be scary and it never was. It, like we were talking last week about how much, you know, that episode, last week's episode was like so, there was it was a horror movie. And this week it was like, I felt like they were trying to do something like The Shining and it just never felt scary. I never felt any real tension. It was just like, oh, look, there's Buffy wandering the halls, you know, all hours and whatever. So I just never Can we anything. talk about the fact that the freaking Buffy in a mental hospital thing that happens in season seven is the worst retcon in the history of all media. Like, it's awful because she starts saying, the vampires, the vampires. And, you know, the Scoobies are trying to cover. And Joyce is like, oh, yeah, she's hallucinating. Like, it, it really is one of the worst retcons ever because this happens so many times until Joyce finds out that so many times this is mentioned and yet there's no concern about it. There's no, you know, from Joyce's side, who's institutionalized her daughter, right? So I just, it's the worst retcon ever. It's just, it's really bad. Well, I mean, also, I mean, I will retcon that retcon and basically say that maybe the uh, the the venom made convinced her that she had actually been into a hospital, that, that she had never actually been there. Oh. Well, you're smarter than the writers that retconned everything. Well, yes. And we all know that already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just a given. You're like, yeah. So, yeah, I just think, because she does, she mentions vampires and... Well, I mean, great. I mean, like, the um, uh, normal again, as, you know, I like that normal again, but that episode, it, the whole Buffy in a hospital thing only comes up in there, does not come up in any other episode. I think they might have done a comic about it, which isn't even canon anymore. But mm -hmm. since it never gets brought up again, I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, relegate everything that happened in that to that episode so that I can enjoy it. Because, I mean, it, it does break too much stuff. So, yeah, they did do a comic and it was Buffy and Pike. It was Slayer Interrupted. Yeah. And I think Pike was in that because it would have been after, you yeah. know, the events of the, the movie slash original script. And it was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, which is not canon. Yeah. So, um, mm. but yes. Anyway, I just I just think it's just one of the stupidest. Not that the I like normal again. I think it's a great, interesting sort of meditation on the character of Buffy and who she is, you know. But it also is like terrible mm -hmm. retconning. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Okay, well, we already talked about how Buffy's a fall risk, and there should be somebody guarding her or something because yeah, yeah. But should I mean? I guess I know that. The kids, all these kids are sick and they've all got the same thing. So I get getting being hostilized. But really, besides an overnight stay to make sure she's rehydrated, I don't know if they would have kept her in the hospital for that. Well, she's also she's also got fractures at that point. Yeah, because they put a, an ace bandage on her arm the whole time. Um, you see that. So. <laughs> yeah, and we and we and okay. we later have the doctor surprised at how well she's healed. Yeah, but and, and they, I believe they actually say she's got fractures when they bring her in. Yeah, they do. They yeah. I mean, I know Buffy doesn't bruise easily, but if they say that she's got fractures, they should have at least like made her look like she had been hit. Had yeah. fractures, right? And I wish I looked as good as Sarah when I was sick, <laughs> which I have been for four weeks now, mm -hmm. and I'm just like, oh, Buffy, you just need more peach lip gloss true that <laughs> because i mean that's you know one of those things where you can't get away from it on tv but when she was lying in the bed and then waking up and then like you know you could see her really nice earth tone like eyeshadow and the peach lip gloss the whole time mm -hmm. was driving me nuts so well it's the natural look 
Right, exactly. (laughs) The natural look that takes an hour to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, And we see again that Buffy has an affinity for weird kids. We we saw this in Nightmares. and Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, this really does play like a season one episode. How, how, in what, why do you say weird? I mean, Ryan's not Ryan, he comes off as a little off. I mean, he's as off as Billy was. I mean, he's got, I mean, the only thing we really see of Ryan is that he's got this fear of Darkindestood, which is perfectly reasonable, knowing the facts. I mean, it's not, he doesn't strike me as odd, per se. I mean, he's, he's got an odd situation he's in. And he's talking about that. He's saying spooky stuff like, he comes at night. Like, he's got spooky... Like, I don't think his... I think his reaction to the situation is actually pretty brave and, you Mm -hmm. know... Yeah. But, like, instead of being like, there's something after me, you gotta help me, he's like, the guy comes at night. Like, yeah. so they gave him spook. They gave him spook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah I okay. think that's what I mean by weird. He's he's got horror movie weird kid itis. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like I said, that was that's the problem to me. That this whole episode, everything is like horror movie itis, and it never actually works as anything that like seems right. Yeah, or ten- there's no tension to me. Yeah, so, yeah. He comes at night. Who? Death. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, creepy clown death, apparently, <laughs> given the mask they've yeah. given Derek Kinderstad. I like Derek Kinderstad. Yeah, no, I'm stud. I like the look of it. The makeup department, the special, the creature effects department, really like this specific look to some of their biggest creepies. Yeah. Because you're going to see that blank-eyed, weird smile look again and again and again i mean it's he's basically a prototype for the general yeah no i mean it's like shocking that it's not camden toy under there mm-hmm. right right yeah. i know and then again with gnarl in the seventh season which is also camden yeah toy, right he's been several of the monsters yeah. i mean the, the the main the main gentleman in in hush is um doug jones, doug jones yes. who i freaking yes. worship but um Fishmen should be nominated for Oscars just as much as everybody else in the cast. I'm saying that if you've seen Shape of Water. Yeah, he's the best thing about Star Trek Discovery to me also, by the way. Saru is like the best character ever. But um, And the other thing Modern. is like, for some reason, the Kinderstock also, it just felt like there was like a Freddy Krueger-esque like, thing about him. Yeah. Too. And that, I think that kind yeah. of annoyed me. So I was just like, oh, good. You know, yeah. Because that, that wasn't that the, like the height of the... Nightmare on Elm Street films. Well, I, I wouldn't too. say the height. Um, I mean, the height was well, probably least, like it was going on then. Yeah, uh, but it was definitely it was a thing. It was. I mean, uh, not, it was on its like seventh millionth sequel at this yeah, point. I, yeah, I. Yeah, so I'm a Nightmare on Elm Street stand. So I am too a huge Nightmare stand. Love it. The first one is just one of the most brilliant pieces of horror ever. It's fantastic. Yeah, I just felt like um, he was kind of a Freddy ripoff to me too. Oh, he was. It was that was intentional. That was they were definitely trying to go with that. Yeah. I mean, they made him. They gave him the hat. They made yeah. him like this, yeah. you know, model, you know, skin tone, and he's killing children. I mean, that's that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, just for the record, uh, Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare came out in 1991. So okay. So, so it was, was okay. possi- possibly uh, New Nightmare was around that time. Yeah, I've only seen the first one, and it's so long ago I couldn't remember like when anything was happening after that. So, yeah. oh, New Nightmare is pretty great, actually. Right, that one was ninety four. So it was thing. actually anyway. this was quite yeah. in the middle of a lull of uh, 
Freddy Krueger okay, stuff. Okay, yeah, but it was still That's definitely funny. like a, a wink and a nod to yeah. Nightmare, so. Well, and there's lots of winks and nods in the show to classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And A Nightmare on Elm Street is definitely a classic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just um, this didn't feel like it was a so. good homage. It just was like, yeah, oh, let's make it like Freddy. I don't know. I can see your point. Except yeah. it's not really like Freddy at all because it's uh, there's kind of some elements of Freddy, but basically, yeah. it, like everything that defines Freddy as an actual character is. Sorry, this is again like I love Freddy Krueger and how much personality he has. This is like Freddy Krueger if he was Jason. Yeah, for sh- good analogy. Yeah, it's just the look. I mean, the look is yeah. just so very Freddy. Yeah, it's definitely not Robert Englund because Robert Englund has like, mm-hmm. you know, oodles and oodles of charm and this, I don't know. Like I said, it just felt like it was kind of like, oh, we were saying generic episode. And so they threw a Freddy Krueger like element yeah. in there too, for, mm-hmm. which didn't wasn't really scary. And, and while Buffy is, you know, having weird encounters with kids, uh, we have Angel visiting the hospital with creepy roses again. Creepy mm-hmm. flowers. I didn't actually check if they were roses or not, and they were white, white okay. roses. I think. And I want to yeah. know, like, why Joyce hasn't tried to do something about Angel because she obviously knows that Angel is stalking Buffy after what happened in Passion. Mm-hmm. Like, Angel's obviously stalking her. Well, we're still at the point where Joyce is a terrible parent. Well, yes, that is true. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, like, all the Angel stuff in this episode felt really lackluster to me like it just it's there because it has to be there and they really did nothing interesting or useful with it he's basically there because they need angel to be there because he's in the opening credits no exactly but 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 i mean given (laughs) that like the scenes he's in could have just been done better like they could have like get made had more they could have had more meat to them the biggest reason to have Angel in this episode and to have that whole Angel storyline is to have the Xander scene, which is one of my favorite Xander scenes that's not him making an inspirational speech to one of the girls. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's where Angel is, you know, he's staring down Angel and Xander's like, maybe I can't take you down. Maybe the security guard can't. Maybe the police can't. But I'm sure like to see them try, see you try. Yeah. Yeah, Xander's really brave yeah. in this episode and mm-hmm. really I mean, Cordelia rightfully calls him out on some shit, but in general, he's again, they're all doing the jobs that they know best to do and even though Xander has absolutely no power and sometimes it's problematic how much he wants to protect Buffy, but in this case he's he's standing sentry. Yeah. Right? It, it is perfectly he's, innocent because Buffy is not able to fight Buffy is not able to fight Angel and Angel's coming after her. So he's doing it not out of love. He's doing it out of he's doing it out of pure love rather than this possessive lust that he has. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's not trying to white knight her. Yes. Right. It's not a white knight Xander situation. Nice guy stuff. He's just doing what he can best do with his job because he's not as good at the research and he's not as. So he's standing guard. He's he's, doing what he can. Yeah, and of course that's because that's despite Angel specifically calling him Buffy's White Knight. Right, but he's actually in this case not yeah. doing it. Well, he he's a White Knight, not a capital letter trademark White Knight in this one. <laughs> yes, 
I mean, and, and, and Angel's obviously referring to the fact that he, you know, mouth-to-mouth resuscitated Buffy. Yeah. Right. right. The white knight that, you know, rode in to save the day. And just being uh, really gross about, you no. know, must kill you that I got there first. Ugh, I know you're evil, but yeah, that gross. Was... Yeah, that oh, made my skin no. crawl. It's just like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, You know, it, it's awful, but it... It's effective. And Jealous knows what to get them. I mean, he wasn't like, like Xander didn't like him even before he, you know, went evil. But he knows enough about their individual personalities and how they respond to twist that knife in really, really well. Oh, yeah. You know. And uh, when we go to the next day, uh, there's another Xander part that I really liked. And it's not so much because of the writing, but Nikki's delivery of stick them in water and maybe they'll grow. (laughs) It's just really cute. He always has great delivery. Can we double back just for two seconds? Like Joyce is so, because I just found my note. Joyce is like, oh my gosh, you take so just great care of these kids. And you're so, and I'm just like, dude, lady, you are not suspicious of this adult man. Always hanging around your kid? No? We're, are we over that now? I guess so. I, I think it's... It also, we can chalk that up to the fact that Joss... Not Joss. Joyce isn't worried about the fact that her daughter is being stalked right now. Joyce is just terrible. True. I mean, I mean and, and everybody should... I mean, it's good for kids to have adult mentors mm. of, of any sex. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't... But I'm still like, dude, your librarian's at the hospital. Okay. But, okay, moving mm-hmm. on then. I was struck by the fact that Giles randomly brings Buffy grapes and eats them. Well, can I say something about that? <laughs> Actually, that's an, that is like a big anglicism for some reason. And like every time I watch a British sitcom or British um, dra- drama, the Brits always bring grapes to somebody in the hospital. Really? And apparently, yeah, it's it's a thing. And it, I looked it up, and it goes back to like earlier times, I guess, to help with constipation with medication or something. But yes, it's very much a Britishism, and I kind of giggled at that. Okay, like I said, it's like it always shows up in all like my Brit TV shows, and I was like, you know, I wonder if that was like a Tony Head thing or whether the writers just knew. But yeah, it's it's a thing they always do. It's like you visit somebody in the hospital, you bring them grapes, <laughs> but only in the UK. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it could it could have been either Tony or it could have been Joss because Joss is a huge yeah. Anglophile. But certainly Giles eating one of those grapes, that's a that's Tony because Yeah, that that's was very funny. All yeah. Tony. That is all like care you know, actor instinct is like, okay, so I brought these grapes instead of just sitting them with them here, I'm gonna eat one. That's a some kind of fiddly business that is also a character trait of yeah, you know, he, Giles. Yeah, he, he does that. So. He's very fiddly. That's why he's always cleaning his glasses. Tony always have to has business oh. going on. And I think at one point, like uh, in season five or something, he was eating so much, Joss thought he might have an eating disorder. And it's like, no, this is just, <laughs> I, I need something for Giles to do. Well, it's a, it's a tactileness, yeah. you know, it's, it's um, even though Giles is so buttoned up, and it also, I think, some comes from starting out doing stage work, where you you there's a mm-hmm. physicality to it that sometimes yes. not what you do in, you know, you in, in theater you you want to have movement and flow to what you're doing, or you're just standing there watching two characters talk to each other, looking, you know. So I, I th- yeah, I think his fiddly business and some of the other things that he does really comes out of a place of. Uh, mm-hmm being trained for the stage and not uh, just specifically yeah. for film. Which makes him great. 
what I have my degree in. So yeah. there you go. And we're definitely this. This scene telegraphs that this is a season one episode because we get season one Buffy. I think something's up, and the Scoobs going, "Oh, Buffy, nothing's going on." Right, and it's yeah, been a while sure. since we've seen that. Yep. But we do get the one of the greatest lines in I Buffy know which history. I think, yeah, tact is just not saying true stuff. Like it is one of the the best lines in the in all the series. And Cordy's just Cordy's pretty much common yeah. gold in this yes. episode. But she's also just very sweet in this episode. Like I actually yes. I, I quite like her in this. I do too. She's she is, but she's still Cordy, which is nice. It's it's mm-hmm. it's consistent, right? It's not like Cordy all of a sudden becomes the sweetest, nicest most tactful person in the entire yeah, universe. Yeah, she's not an entirely different she character. sweeter. <laughs> she, no, but she's, you know, but she is obviously invested in the group and Buffy, even though her face yes. is wrong. Um, right. But yeah. She also gets, like, the next scene that she's in, you know, first we have Giles and Willow uh, going through books and Giles just terrible at, you know, doing any research, because he's like, I've never seen anything like that. It must be Buffy imagining it. But then we get uh, Xander and Cordy. Cordelia is complaining about the fact that, you know, they have to go investigate, even though she's been so concerned about Buffy up until this point. She still doesn't want to get put out. Yeah. Now is Cordelia hitting on (laughs) Willie Carson? Oh, that... (laughs) That oh scene is, is is gold. That is it's comedy just, gold. It really yeah. is. the two of it them really are is. just great. Yeah, well, he's got great comic timing and pretty much anything, and just like the two of them are excellent. So mm-hmm. yeah, and it, listeners, if you're not familiar with Willie Garson, his most famous role, I think, is Stanford Blatch on Sex in the City, and all right. the other on one Sex, is also Mozzie on, on White Collar, which is. Uh, Oh, I, I yeah. The White Collar is a great um, show in general. Yeah, I like plug it there, but so it's it's always funny to see Willie Garson try to be Butch because I am so used to him being Stanford yeah. Stanford Blatch from Sex and the City. But he's great. Mm-hmm. I love Willie Garson. I think he's, he's also great, a, great a great human being director. for people who don't know him or uh, don't follow him on social media. I mean, he's his single dad who uh, adopted a foster son a while back son's now going to college he's just like a great parent very involved with that end of oh well now i love willie carson even more yeah but anyway yeah that the way they play off each other in that scene is it it is it's yeah. comedy gold and cordelia and i'm like are you grabbing his belt buckle girl <laughs> that might be a piece yeah. too far and, well i mean also it's like super creepy that like cordelia is like hitting on him and she, he's like going in for it and it's like dude she's a teenager yeah, I mean, I know, like, so teenager in quotes. Yeah. yeah. But you figure, like, his character probably doesn't, like, women don't talk to him in general, so he'll take any, yeah. you know, attention he can get. Especially from somebody as attractive yeah. as Cordelia. I do always laugh at his nose workout. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that is that is just great. Yeah, no, yeah. Charisma Carpenter is, is really great in mm-hmm. this episode. She, I feel yeah. like... They could have, she could have had a bigger career in comedy because they, she's done a lot of, she has done funny stuff, but a lot of times, you know, you see her on like Veronica Mars when she's playing like the femme fatale role. Right. And I'm like, no, I prefer you just being yeah. just funny. 
But I think it's because of the look of her. She does not yeah. look like she should be a comedic actress. I, right, I think she's so it, hmm. almost Chris Hemsworth is suffering from the same uh, curse where he's like, you're too good looking to be in comedy, but you're so goddamn funny. He's so fucking funny. Same thing with John Hamm, right? He's known for Mad oh, Men, yeah. but that guy is hilarious. Yeah, anytime he was on like Saturday Night Live, you know. he's just like a scream. So yeah, I, sometimes yeah. I think it's a curse to be too good looking because people then like, oh, you have to be the romantic lead. You have to be dramatic. But yeah, because she's she's very funny too. Yeah, no, she's she's really, and even the episode she did of Supernatural with yeah. her and James Marsters. She was that she was really yeah. genuinely funny in that episode. Like they let her play her comedy while also making her like sexy witch. Well, because they were lady, they were so. a bickering couple who like were breaking up after hundreds of years together. Yes, I remember the exact episode. It's you know, shut up, Doctor Phil. <laughs> but I mean, all her other stuff that she's done has been like she's one of the girlfriends in the Expendables. Yeah. Like mm. that's what most people are going to know her for instead of her being like yeah. really so solid and it's the curse of turning 30. Yeah. As far as the comedy bit is concerned, it's, I think this is the holdover of the really noxious concept that's held on for years that women can't be funny. I mean, this is a huge mm-hmm. thing in comedy circles and like, you know, finally we have some, we have women who are coming out and saying, no, I can be funny. And, and now who have some power, like people like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are probably the most obvious examples. But, but for years it was like, no, women, women can't be funny. Comedians were like, no, women can't do stand up. Why women can't do. And, and in particular, really pretty women can't be funny. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a really unfortunate, uh, concept that that has been in the comedy world for years and i think we're we're just starting to climb out of it and so charisma has probably not had much chance to you know examine that that kind of work we love you so much we're just sitting here like standing on david like yeah yeah david our feminist everything you know yeah, I mean, you know, I, I won't go on a tangent, but like, I was just thinking about it because I was going to say, but, but Lucy Ball, but I mean, she had to actually make herself less attractive. I mean, if you see her like early, she was a right, knockout, but did. then she kind of had to make herself cartoony in order to be funny. So, yeah, yeah. What what did you want? Oh, River said she thought charisma was oh, okay. really great, too. Thanks, River. Yeah. Uh, and after the scene with Willie Garson, there's a really nice exchange between Xander and Cordy where they're they're fighting. Yes. And <laughs> Cordelia's, I've seen you watch her back. And by that, I mean watch her butt. <laughs> and... and- I was going to say, I really like Nikki's responses. She's really yeah. good there. And then just like the way he reacts, the way he responds to things is like very, very, you know, just the reaction. The face is really good. Like, again, very good time. The very end of the scene where she's like, watch my back and walks away. And the way he just tilts his head to make it so obvious. And that he tilts his head. Ass, it's like, Nikki, just, that's a really good, like. There's another person that has exemplary yes. comic timing. Yes. Nikki, I mean, we talk about this all the time, how the moments that we like Xander most, not all of them, this is, this is well-written, um, Xander, nicely written Xander, um, 
And, you know, a lot of even the shitty moments of Xander are made to work because of his Mm -hmm. delivery and timing Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Um, I'm glad that Cordelia called him out. Yeah, I do too. Well, because by this point, they've been dating for, like, probably, like, half a year. Like, I mean, like, I know part of that dating was, like, hiding from their friends in closets. But still, they've been monogamously involved with each other for, like, half a year. Right, so they they started off in What's My Line, which was episode. Uh, what episode is that? So well back, it was it, it was, was mid season, but I figure by this point, considering yeah. um, we're going to be getting up to the end time of lapses, the year. and yeah, so mm. so it's yeah. probably been yeah. like okay, What's My Line was episode ten, so okay, so yeah, so that's seven episodes back, so yeah, no, they've been together for a while, so like. Cordy is totally like within her right to be like, you're still obviously in love with this oh, girl absolutely. that you hang out with all the time. Yep. And, you know, you're being shitty about me hitting on a guy that I'm obviously only doing it to distract him so that you can get away. Right, exactly. It's kind of sweet in a weird way that Xander is jealous, even though, I mean, you know, it's sort of playing up his insecurity and stuff, but it's also annoying as fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, it's made really better by the silent scene that they have after, when Xander is holding his his sentry. And mm. Cordelia just, wa- it's completely wordless. Cordelia just walks in, drops a bag of Krispy Kreme on the table and some coffee, and then just sits down. And it, it, yeah, it's It's pretty it's incredible sweet. considering that there were no Krispy Kremes in that area of California <laughs> at the time. But, but product placement. But whatever. <laughs> it, that's just how yeah. much Xander means to her I, is that she drove really far to get Krispy Kreme. We see. We didn't get a Krispy Kreme in New Mexico for way like oh, five or six years after them. everybody no, else New, had a Krispy Kreme. New York Kreme, had so. them briefly, and like there was one that was maybe ten minutes from my house, and it's gone. There's like yeah. no one on Long Island anymore. Oh yeah, they're they're been, having yeah, but money this issues, has been gone so for at least five. Oh, we don't have it anymore. Like the height of everybody raving yeah. about Krispy Kreme. I think mm-hmm. it lasted a year, maybe two. Dunkin' Donuts I is love better. Dunkin', I'm not a Krispy Kreme fan, anyway. But it maybe yeah. that may be why it didn't do well in this neck of the woods too, because we we like our Dunkin'. So. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Nikki and geographical locations, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this. Nikki's having his birthday party at the Stonewall Inn. What? <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> okay. And one can go. Yeah. It's a hundred bucks though, so I am not doing that I... research. Yeah. No, I'm too poor for that. <laughs> no, I think I'll pass. I mean, if I ever come to New York, oh, I'm sure. going to want to visit but, the yeah. Oh, definitely, but, but why Nikki's yeah. birthday party there? Yeah. Is this something new? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> Public has... service? Uh, who knows? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I got nothing, okay. but that's... Uh... So, okay, can we talk about Buffy's Spice Girl yes. outfit? The I love that. Totally sporty. Which I, <laughs> I do too. It's totally sporty spice. And I know she's in the hospital, so it's supposed to be like hospital clothes. But dude, we were all wearing the satin pants and the tank tops. Like pajama pants and the tank yeah, tops. Yeah, I was going to say that. Everywhere. Gwen Stefani was, was all say, over that shit. PJs and they're adorable. They are, but it's like very net. Like we were wearing those Outside, clothes yeah. out of the house. In the 90s. And then we looked around halfway through the day and you're like, why am I doing this? I'm so wrinkled. 
Like, satin is so frankly. Why is this a style? At least that's what I was And also, I just, considering the fact like, she's in her PJs, this is just like a TV thing. I did notice she was good in wearing a bra underneath that tank top because you kept seeing the bra straps. <laughs> it's like, yeah, everybody sleeps in it. Oh, well, that's that's an old Buffy drinking game. Drink every time you see yeah, Buffy's Yeah, I was just like, I'm in my pajamas. I'm like sleeping that was... in a hospital, but I have to wear a bra. So good on her. Yeah, I, I just, I, I find her adorable in her pajamas, but I also do remember us wearing that basic mm-hmm. outfit as outer, you know, outside of the hospital bedroom wear. Thought it was cute. Very Spice Girls. It's not a great line, because I mean, that's just kind of a standard line, but Charisma's, when the Joyce is talking about their secret meeting, is uh and charisma just goes you sure didn't <laughs> it's just so great <laughs> it's pretty great and and yeah. Willow playing dr wrong yes. yes that was adorable <laughs> yeah and, and, she, yeah. and she still uh, doesn't know <laughs> yeah right <laughs> she's huh? like what oh and when they finally like settle on their assignments uh and it's cordelia is gonna go research head childs goes why do i have to have <laughs> and then just her going what does that one do <laughs> what does that one do she's like that one eats and you, ew what is that it one asked lots of annoying questions <laughs> yeah i just kind of wanted to give cordy points though for actually like Showing some interest in what they were doing instead of like sitting there like filing her nails and being like, I'm bored. Can we go now? So I, she was actually was engaged well, in what then, they were doing in, in her totally courty way. But I was like, well, look at her. She's and, actually trying to show she's interested in what, what what's going on. Well, and then she when she calls Buffy just a little while later, right, mm-hmm. to tell her what the monster is that they're, you know, she's like so yeah. proud like, you can see this, like, pride in her. And then everybody else is just like, yeah, put Giles on. She's like, no, I, again, no wonder she moved to L.A. and never talked to these <laughs> yeah. people again, right? And you and used this training that she learned with Giles at Angel Investigations, because she will do this all the fucking time when she gets over onto Angel, and no one questions it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I give her lots of points for, like, being totally engaged and interested. And nobody appreciates her. But none of the other, none of the other characters give her credit. They're all just like, yeah, yeah, Cordy, put Giles on. And she's like, no, I found this information. I'm going to tell you about it. You know, I was like, could you show a little gratitude to Cordy mm-hmm. here, guys? Because um, she was, she was so mm-hmm. proud of herself. You could see the way Charisma prayed it, which is this pride. Like, I found something. I'm going to tell you about that thing in my own Cordy right. way. But, you know. And then they figure out how Buffy can actually see their Kinderstad. And it's by dosing herself with a virus, which it reminded me of World War Z, which I thought it was dumb in that movie, too. Okay, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the science here is kind of sketchy. Well, yes, there's that, too. Because <laughs> I'm like, no, no, science. no. <laughs> I mean, and this leaves... This this, like leaves, this leaves aside the whole question of is the reason what's how's the reasoning here? I mean, is Buffy being sick and somewhat incapacitated and fighting a visible monster a better choice than her being at better strength and fighting an invisible monster? Which she's done before. She's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, she totally you know, maybe the production team you know, have seen cave dwellers and have seen that really, really horrible scene of 
Miles O'Keefe fighting invisible people. It's it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> but and they didn't want to go into that territory. But I mean, logically, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, it doesn't. And then there's the science, which I am just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, but Doctor Backer totally looks like Carl Malden. Well, that's what you heard. Like- if you if you go to his IMD page, IMDb page, it it specifically mentions his resemblance to Carl Malden. Yeah, he's just, uh, always been like that. I was just guy like, who what is Carl, Carl Malden doing in a random? Yeah. yeah, but I'm just like, why? Okay, yeah, cool. Hey, Carl Malden. What up? For your younger viewers, <laughs> he was an Carl actor, Malden, but... is an actor, was an actor, who was in a lot of classic movies, yeah. including yes. Streetcar Named But is not in this episode. But is not yeah. in this yes. episode, just his doppelganger. Well, I mean, Richard Hurd is actually somebody that I recognize from things, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was like that guy who yeah. looks like Carl Malden, like everything. I think she's more familiar with Richard Hurd than <laughs> yeah. Carl Malden, okay, is what gotcha. MC is saying. Yeah. Sorry, I'm yeah. Earlier, so. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, How about Willow's... There were frogs delivery. Oh, that was excellent. She's like, there <laughs> yes. were frogs. Because yeah. that's the scariest thing she could think of. And it's it's like Anya. It's like Anya and the bunnies. Why does she fear frogs? Because why not? We never know, but we know she does. And because it, reasons, you know. Frogs are cute. Did like, she had a bad experience with like <laughs> Kermit when she was young and like. Well, I was actually going to say that maybe when they were kids, like, Xander caught a frog and was, like, getting it up in her face. Like, come on. You could totally see that happening. Uh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, no. I can tell. I, I'm afraid of needles because my brother chased me around with a nest, rusty needle Ooh. from the Arroyo. Hi. And tried to push oh, it in my arm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's better yeah. now. He was a little psychotic when he was, like, 15, but yeah. He tried, he filled uh-huh. it with water and tried to poke me with it, and it was definitely Ugh. rusty and dirty. I'm sorry. I didn't even look for reasons for the frogs, because I just flashed back to the puppet show, and Buffy's whole thing is like, yeah, there's no story there. I just am freaked out by dummies. <laughs> it's like, And also, I think it was just a really good distraction. First thing that came to her mind, and she starts freaking out, and they fell for it, so good on Will. Uh, yeah. And... Yeah. It worked. There's a fight scene, yeah. and meh, I don't have any comment on the fight scene, really. I have only only one comment. Why does Buffy just lie there while the guy, while, while Derek Kindestook, like, retrieves his hat? That takes, like, 20 <laughs> seconds, and she's just lying there. Because it's TV <laughs> time. Nothing. And when, when it comes to movies and TV, you always have time to put your hat on. He picks up his hat. He dusts it off. He, I mean, for God's sake. <laughs> I know. Um, I do like those freaking funky eyeball suckery things. Mm-hmm. Oh god, that okay, that creeped me out. That's the one thing that That is yeah, legitimately that's the one thing creepy. in like the, the this is not really scary horror bit that actually scared me. That was like freaky as Yeah. yeah. I was like, ooh, that is kinda those icky, things are yeah. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those things are pretty cool. And you know, I do love Buffy mm-hmm. for its practical effects. You know what I mean? I mean, that wasn't a time where you were slapping yeah. CGI on it, everything anyway. I mean, there is some CGI in Buffy. We'll, oh, we'll talk about that next episode. And it's not usually mm-hmm. that great, but but yeah, I mean, I I, I like practical. I, I you know, I've done a little bit of makeup for film, mm-hmm. not very good makeup for film, but still, and a, a practical effect always yeah. reads yeah. better. It does me. because it's you could actually visually see it on camera and stuff, react to it. Yeah. So yeah, 
Yeah. So, so the yeah, does anybody else have any notes on the fight? Uh, it was fighty. Yeah. Okay. It was fighty. So then Very we fighty. move on, and Buffy's at home finally, and Joyce is. You know, as much as we say that Joyce is fucking awful, Xander and Willow are being really fucking awful to her. Yes. Oh my god, my mother would not put up with that shit. I mean, like, if I were sick, she'd bring me poached eggs with bits of bread in it. Mm. That that was my sick food. Yeah. But my friends hung out at my house a lot. And if they did that, I, you know, the first couple times she's like, you're a guest. What can I get you? Do you want a glass of tea or whatever? But after the first two or three times, she's like, go to the refrigerator and get it yourself. I don't mind if you eat my, I don't mind if you eat my food. Yeah, get off your ass and get it. Yeah. Go get it, your damn it. And shout out to Billy. My mother would say, Billy, do not <laughs> eat all the cheese. They just go to our refrigerator. And and one time we found him just like eating the block oh. of cheese without actually even cutting it. Oh, God. He was just like, <laughs> so my mother would not put over that shit. But it is kind of sweet that. Joyce is like, mm-hmm. yeah, what can I get yeah, you guys? But then Xander just like pushes it. Like when he's like, oh, yeah, with the cheesy chips I or whatever know. the hell they're called. Oh, there's one hiding behind. Yeah. You know, at that point, Joyce should have been like, you know, screw you. Those are mine. <laughs> I mean, that's also a very 16 mm-hmm. year old. Oh, yeah. It was very in character. Totally yeah. in character for all yeah. Yeah. three of them, I think. I mean, I don't I don't think Willow could get away with that shit at her house. Well. Well, Willow at least does the while you're up. But could you? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Xander's yeah. just like cheesy puffs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not out of them. I know where you hide them. Get these. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you, Xander. <laughs> Which, I, in a way, also I think that means they kind of really like Joyce, you know, because they have very as much as Joyce is a fucking terrible parent. And I know the writers did, you know, I know Joss on purpose said we don't want a bunch of parents in the show. Um, Xander's got abusive parents. Willow's got emotionally abusive parents. So I actually think as terrible a parent oh, Joyce yeah. can be in the first two seasons, they probably really appreciate and love that Joyce is like, all right, guys, well, okay. Mm, yeah. You know, so, yeah. I, I think they, they probably all just re- really like Joyce because she is kind to them and Mm-hmm. Not shitty like their parents. So, you know. Uh, did we mention Ryan's picture at the end? Yeah. Oh. No. Yeah. That is, I think, one of my favorite parts of the episode. I, <laughs> I love that picture. Yes. And also, that's a sign, I think, that he's a pretty it weird It is kid. great. Like, I mean, I know it actually happened, but still. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and, and of course, Joyce's reaction, which is kind of like, okay, that's weird. But yeah. she takes it no further than that. Yeah. Like, and it's like Joy- Joyce's whole whole thing at this point in the series is like, weird shit's happening. I don't want to know. Yeah, Joyce <laughs> willingly doesn't want to know. And actually, Buffy calls her out on it uh, once we get to Becoming. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, she's, that is very she's true. willingly not accepting that Buffy, that something weird is going on with Buffy because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to deal with it. And it makes Joyce horrible. But, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. a couple episodes from now. We're getting very close to that. Ryan just because I th- thought it was funny. We were talking about product placement and he's got the he had had that big box of Crayola crayons in the picture. So I'm glad he did something with them for Buffy. So I think we're on to final thoughts for Killed by Death. I, I think I said it a minute ago, middling, but great teamwork. 
I wanted it to be scarier. I wanted it to be more like tension filled, but it's not. I mean, it's got great character moments, but it never, as a story, as a plot, it never really gets you on the edge of your seat, like clawing at the, and being scared. It just always feels kind of, as we said earlier, generic. So, Yeah, that's pretty much yep. it. Um, I, I do actually, one thing I do want to, on a totally unrelated note, I want to give a quick shout out to one of my favorite podcasts that isn't ours. <laughs> Jay and Miles explain the X-Men. They had a question this week. Someone asked if, because Buffy's name is Summers, she might be related to Cyclops and Havoc of the X-Men. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Miles came up with a, basically some insane theory about how that would work. Nice. And I want to give Miles a shout out for that because he clearly gave a lot of thought to this for no good reason, and that's one of the reasons I love their podcast. So, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, he had like whole convoluted thing about how she could be part of the Marvel Universe and how like Scott and, and Alex don't remember her, and their father remembers her, but he doesn't think about it because it makes him sad. And it's like, <laughs> it's just like he went on for like a minute. <laughs> well, I mean, like it's totally possible now because now Disney has bought Fox, which owns Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and right. they also own Marvel, so... Right. All things are possible. Works for me. Do not give mm. me an unnecessary remake. There was oh, one yeah, I was thinking about that years ago that got nixed, and I was like, no. Mm. No. Well, I think this is it. a sign about what we feel about this anyway. episode. The fact yeah, it's... that... I mean, it's like not only... Do we are we not praising it, but we're not really bashing it either. Like, I mean, there's not really a lot of nitpicks. It's like that was an yeah. episode. Yeah, like I said at yeah. the beginning, it's like, could you write the most generic Buffy episode ever? Yeah. It's a season one episode in season two. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even that so bad that, that you know, yeah. it's good or so bad that we can like have fun tearing it apart. It's just It's not particularly good. It's not particularly bad. It's pedestrian, it's there. Okay. So, so... On that note, next week we'll be reviewing I Only Have Eyes for You. Until then, grr, arg. Grr, arg. Grr, arg. Grr, arg. We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. So this week we actually have a couple of messages that came to us through YouTube from our listener, Rachel. The first comment was, MC's voice reminds me so much of Marcy's. But yeah, from hearing the first podcast, I've thought of this. So I assume you mean Clea Duvall, who played Marcy in Out of Mind, Out of Sight. And I've never thought of this because obviously I don't really think about my own voice too much. But when I mentioned this message to some of the other uh, hosts on the podcast, they said, uh, yeah, that they could kind of hear that. So, uh, well, I like Clea Duvall, so I'm going to say thank you. And the other message was, this podcast got me thinking when you guys brought up the Slayer Trials and how Buffy had to be creative to kill that vampire, well, it got me thinking on Faith and if she ever had a Slayer Trial. Then it hit me, what if... Uh, Kakistos was her trial vampire, and instead of fighting him, she just ran. I don't know if you guys have done a Faith episode yet, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. 
Well, we haven't done a Faith episode yet because we haven't quite reached Faith yet. We're a couple episodes away at this point. And we'll probably bring this up again once we get to Faith, Hope, and Mr. Trick. Uh, But yeah, that's an interesting theory because I think Faith is supposed to be like a little bit older than Buffy is. Uh, I'm not sure. I should have actually like looked that up on the Buffy Wikia. Uh, but just kind of the way they portray Faith is just a little bit older, but that might just be that Eliza Dushku just comes off as a little bit sexier, so that implies just older. But yeah, uh, presumably Faith had a, uh, a Slayer trial, and Kakistos definitely would be a good vampire to use because he's, like, old and really scary because i mean you only get like that changing of features when a vampire is like really really old so yeah i mean that's an interesting theory definitely that sounds like something that i would come up with honestly so yeah good thought so thank you rachel for sending us those messages and if you'd like your questions or comments right on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube at Return to the Hellmouth, on Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at Hellmouth Return, or on email at Return to the Hellmouth at gmail.com. And we'll read those comments on the show. Also, rate our show on iTunes and Stitcher, and check out our show merchandise on Tee Public and Redbubble. We'll see you on Tuesday for I Only Have Eyes for You. Grr, arg.